Now, for more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Verisage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kluss. Ed, welcome to Free Rider Friday. Yes, Ron. Always good to talk about the current events and really not have to prep for the show, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Well, I, I, I think that's a big lie, Ed. I bet yeah, you I know. as much it's, as I do. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, it's mostly it's calling through the stack. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mostly calling through the stack that I accumulate over the time period. But, um, yeah, oh, a lot of, lot of interesting things going on. Yep, yep. So, I guess I'll start. And yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'll ask you, who was Ty Cobb? Now, who is Ty com- Cobb? Who is Ty Cobb? Now, I obviously know who he is, Ed, even though I'm not a baseball guy like you. Um, but obviously one of the greatest players of all time. Yes. And didn't realize he had a lifetime batting average, a 366. Yes. Uh, well, pretty- some say 367. Depends how you round. You know, uh, there's... Okay, okay. First player voted. And, 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 and he did have one hit that was taken away from him. So there was, yeah, oh, it was a little... Okay. Just, yeah. <laughs> First player ever voted to the Hall of Fame. I didn't realize that. Yes, he was That's the first first player. He got the most number of votes in, I think, it was 1936 was when the Hall of Fame was first opened. And he, along with, I think, six other folks went in in the first year, Babe Ruth being one of them, I believe. I, I can't name them all. Honus Wagner. There's there, there's a, a bunch of them that, that were, that, like I said, six that went in and Ty Cobb did get the most number of votes, mostly because the, the sports writers of the day were still at the time older. You remember Ruth Ruth had really barely retired in 1936. So, Right, right. Okay, well that's not the angle I want to go. I mean, I realize the great record and there's lots of interesting stories about that. Yeah. His, rep, his reputation, Ed, it, you know, his reputation is terrible. He, there's this 1995 movie that was made starring Tommy Lee Jones called Cobb. And, yep. he's, you know, it's well known that Cobb killed as many as three people. He was a racist, um, got into brawls with, you know, supposedly three um, black people. Uh, he, it, <clears throat> he's got a terrible reputation, in other words. I guess that's my mm-hmm. question. Is, is, is that your view of this guy? It is not totally. I, I think a lot of that stuff was was uh, overhyped. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I think that he 
you know, for, for certainly from a zeitgeist perspective, was was not any more quote racist than anyone else. I, I so I, I I don't think that there was. I, I, I think he got a bad rap, as I recall. Like some of this stuff has been disputed, uh, and and said you know he, he that that many of the, many of these things were just stories that were repeated and repeated so often that he just got this bad rap. Right, like the lie that's repeated so often. The yeah. bigger the the you know, and and even filmmaker Ken Burns, right, the historian. Oh uh, yeah, it, Ken Burns it, was it, awful to Ty Cobb. Awful. Yeah, that, yeah. that you know. I mean, he, just, he, called, he, he yep. said he was an embarrassment to the game because of his racism and Cass Cobb is an anti-Jackie Robinson. Well, here's why I bring this up. Imprimus, which is a publication of Hillsdale College, um, mm-hmm. once a month sends out this publication, and it's always a speech. It's always a scholar, you know, politician, whatever, giving a speech. And this speech I'm looking at is, who was Ty Cobb? The history we know that's wrong, and it's by a guy named Charles Learson who's a journalist, author, and adjunct professor at City University of New York, graduate school of journalism. He also was an editor for Sports Illustrated, People, Us, and Weekly. Anyway, he dived into this whole study, just like a journalist would, produced the book Ty Cobb, A Terrible Beauty, and refutes all of this reputation, refutes it all, says it's all just complete bunk, that Ty Cobb was actually a pretty gracious guy, he did get into a few brawls with people, uh, but they he basically clears his record and said he was not a racist. Um, his father was an educator and a state senator who spoke up for his black constituents uh, and is even known to once have broken up a lynch mob. His great-grandfather was a minister who preached against slavery. His grandfather refused to fight in the Confederate Army because of the slavery issue. Cobb grew up in Georgia. Yes, and, yeah, Georgia um, Peach was, is his nickname. Yeah, okay, okay. So basically, very interesting speech. Uh, how did he become portrayed as a monster? Because of this uh, ghostwriter that he hired to write his biography before he died in 61, a guy named Al Stump. And Al Stump, you know, spent very little time with Cobb, but then just made up stories out of whole cloth. And his <laughs> book, My Life in Baseball, The True Record, um, was just just full of stories of all this, and like you said, they were repeated so much, they became a fact. And this guy just demolishes almost every one of them. It must be this guy that I've read about that because th- this is relatively recent information that some of this stuff has been disputed. So that's th- that is probably the case. I-, I will say this though: there's one incident that probably is the launching point. For many of these stories, and and it was it was in the Ken Burns film actually, and that was that Ty Cobb refused to f- pose for the the Hall of Fame induction photo, and I don't think anybody actually knows why. Like this, so there's a very famous photo of. In fact, the 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 other story is is that Babe Ruth forgot his tie, so he's the only one without a tie on. In this uh, in this photo, mm-hmm. and Ty Cobb is not in the photo, and you know there's various stories about this, but you know one of them is that he he did not get along well with Happy Landis. Uh, I'm sorry, um, Matt Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Happy Chandler was the next commissioner, but uh, who is the commissioner of baseball at the time, and that that's why he, that was the primary reason that he didn't pose for the photo, and I think it was that snubbing. That really began this 
his, his, his the downfall of his reputation. You know, and there's stories about him not willing to sign, you know, autographs for kids or respond to their letters. You know, there's stories that he mm-hmm. used to, you know, take the stamps off their letters and throw the letters away. But yeah, apparently this guy got into the records and found there's there's five page handwritten letters to these kids who used to write them, you mm. know, and and even the stuff about him with the spikes, you know, and sliding into people and going for their groin or whatever. He, this guy demolishes all that, too. Says that's just a bunch of nonsense. So just really interesting. I just you know because what I love about hi- historical revisionism, I guess, is they always say history is twenty twenty, right? And it's not. Mm, Historians no. <laughs> they battle about history and what actually took place and different interpretations all the time. But this guy went to primary sources, which nobody else has ever done. That's written about Cobb. He went to newspaper accounts. He tried to get, you know, people that that knew him or knew of him, and 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 tried to get, you know, just like a real historian does. And it seems like he's done a very thorough job. Yeah. No. I mean, and it's it's repeated. I I'm pretty sure that in the movie, um, if you build it, they will come. I can't think of the name of yes. the film, but yes, but uh, they uh, mentioned Ty Cobb and dude, and they and he asked out there. He says nobody liked him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was an SOB. Yeah, that, he does mention that. Yeah, I forget the name of that movie, but that's that's in this speech. Field of as Dreams. Well. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. That's Kostner. it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, just really, really interesting. I think you'll really enjoy it. We'll post the uh, full speech on the show notes where you can find it. It's, uh, it's a relatively quick read, but even I found it interesting, Ed, and I'm not a baseball guy. Well, cool. Well, I got a I got a baseball one too, and and we're coming up on a break. So, it, it, but it's, it mine isn't probably near as in depth as yours is. So let me throw this out at you. And this just came down this morning that a guy by the name of D. Gordon, he is a uh, I believe second baseman or shortstop for the Miami Marlins, and he has been suspended from for baseball for sixty days. I'm sorry, uh, uh, eighty games. Because of uh, not not complying with the, the the PED policy, right? The performance enhancing drug uh, policy in Major League Baseball wouldn't get tested, something like that. Well, no, he got he got tested and was found. He's tested positive. Ah, gotcha. Okay, right. So he tested positive for for these things. Yep. So I I've been thinking about this, and I have I have a, I have a very libertarian solution to this problem. Is Personally, I think what we should do is allow them to take whatever the heck they want, mm-hmm. right? So remove the ban and allow all of them to take whatever they want. However, they do have to submit to every player who's on the 40-man roster needs to submit to two drug tests a year, right? One at the beginning of the season, one at the end of the season, and then random random drug testing through throughout mm-hmm. and not so much for this to suspend them or anything but if they if they do if they do use that you would we would have to put that up on the screen in the stadium with with their like batting average and all that stuff okay right so it's it's just a disclosure right so and i think this is under under the the lines of reputation more than regulation mhm Right, that if they if we, they were major league baseball were to do that, that the incidence of steroid use would go down. Hmm. Because they wouldn't want that footnote. They wouldn't want that. Right. 
Right, because because here's the thing: it's like, all right, it's where it's not gonna it's not gonna cost you anything. You're not gonna be suspended like D. Gordon suspended, and you're not gonna be paid for half his salary, right? So this is mm-hmm. you know significant chunk of change, right? Uh, th- so that won't happen. You'll you'll be able to play, not a problem. But it's just going to be reported, right? It's going to be reported, and it's going to be broadcast, and people are going to talk about it, and 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 so it's 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 purely then based on your reputation. You know, economists always think that people try to beat it, but still, I think that's a better solution. Okay, well, you know, economists always look to the pricing mechanism. So something like you know, paying people who take test positive, paying them less or something, or if you want to take it, you have to pay more. How how would you see using price as a way to also control this? Yeah, I think I think that that price would then factor into it because if it's then disclosed. That that these guys are are using that then then it would would be taken out in their contract, right? If you wanted to pay some user now, because because what it what it what has been established is that these guys tend, although not always, to be a little bit more injury prone. Mm-hmm. Right. So there would be a risk then in signing a player that is taking these performance enhancing drugs. But I, I still think that the power of their reputation being on the line. And it just being reported would be more powerful than the random testing that's done now. Because what this would do is to say, no, 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 it's not a random test. It's you, if you if you want to be on a forty man roster of baseball, you've got to take the test, and you're not going to be penalized for it, except it's going to be reported, and you're, it'll be known that you are on these drugs. Right, which would affect their sponsorship money, yeah. wouldn't it? Endorsements, things exactly. like that. Yep. 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 Okay, so that's a price mechanism too. Yeah, that's cer- certainly price mechanism, but it's it's yeah. reputation based, not regulation based. H- how often does something like this happen, like with D. Gordon? I mean, how many of these guys are? Oh, it's a handful positive? every year. Yeah, it's a handful every year. Okay, okay. So it's not widespread. I mean, it's not. But again, because it's a random test. And because the, you know these guys are probably staying against it, it's the it's probably more widespread than we think. But it's not it's it's not going to be, and not everybody's going to get caught. And that's the point: is that right now, it seems that the penalty for getting caught, it's worth taking the risk. Is my mm-hmm. point. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, you must love this, the whole first segment devoted to baseball. Yeah, awesome. (laughs) I'm going nuts here. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Well, anyway, folks, we'd like to remind you, if you'd like to contact Ed or myself, you can do so by writing us at asktsoe at verisage.com. If you'd like to join in uh, today's conversation live, do so on Twitter at hashtag asktsoe. And you could also call the listener line at 866-472-472. 5790. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. 
We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We are free riding today on the Soul of Enterprise, as is our custom for the last week in every month for us to do a free rider show in, in which we talk about current events or other stories that have popped into our stream of consciousness during the month. And next up, Ron, I've got a, a quick one for you. You know, we're we're big fans of and proponents of Watson, the IBM computer that's won Jeopardy and done all sorts of things. Well, this was announced yesterday on a website uh, I found it called Kid Screen. I don't know where I came across this, but Sesame Street taps IBM's Watson for Preschool Education Alliance. Ugh, love it. Yep, and so I'll just read the first paragraph. The Sesame Street Sesame Workshop has joined forces with IBM to leverage the company's Watson-branded cognitive computing technology in an effort to enhance preschool education worldwide. Three-year deal will see the companies develop educational platforms and products engineered to adapt to the individual preschoolers' learning pref- preferences and aptitude levels. That's so awesome. there you go. Now, we're, now, 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 Watson's taking over for teachers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's what they talked about a little bit in the future of the professions, Daniel and Richard Suskin. So yep. it doesn't surprise me. See see what's going on with that. You saw AlphaGo, you know, beat that beat the world's best Go player. Like we mm-hmm. talked about that, I think, uh, last time on Freerider. So that's awesome. Yep. Yep. Pretty interesting stuff. So El- Elmo and Watson together. <laughs> I love it. Big Bird. <laughs> Big Bird and Watson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Ed, I got one I got one that I'm it it's it's conflicting. And I'm gonna ask you as a parent, because yeah. I don't have kids and you do. And if you one of your kids, your 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 girl Kara or Sean, male, female, doesn't matter, if one of them came to you at the age of seventeen and said, Dad, I'm dropping out of high school. I want to start my own business. How would you feel? I would probably say, okay, let's talk about it. 
I wouldn't be completely opposed. I would say let's talk about it. Let's see. Let's see what you got. I I know that this would probably be in direct conflict with what my wife Christine would want. So I'd probably be in a little bit of uh, of hot water there. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd be willing and, to, and and open to talk about it. Yep. You wouldn't go off the rails just yet. No. No, no, I'm too. I'm too much of an entrepreneur. I'm too much a, a, of a a person who's into into ideas. I want to hear the idea first. Sure. Says I want to start a, an app company that that uh, does apps for small businesses, which is an underserved market. Maybe do some web design too. Yeah, you know. Okay, let's let's see it work. But and and, and I would then say, all right, that's fine. And the way this is going to work is I get twenty five percent of your company. <laughs> and uh, you can start, <laughs> and, and and you can start paying, and you can start paying rent. I'll give I'll give you a month of startup, but you're going to pay rent. So put it, include that in your business plan that you'll have to pay rent. Wow! After one month, that's yeah, hard nose. That's hard nose, yeah. man. I, I okay. didn't say how much the rent would be, but okay, but, you know. okay. But would you agree? Um, I think most parents would have the reaction of Christine, not you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I would definitely, definitely agree with that. Yes, that's true. Okay. Well, something out I'm of an, I'm an outlier for sure. <laughs> okay, okay. As long as we understand that. Um, I think my dad sent me this. It's from the uh, local paper here called the Press Democrat. It says, a former Maria Carrillo student founds tech startup. This guy had a perfect 4.0, right? His name is Chris Kelsley. Uh, he's now 18. He's the CEO of a global app software company called Aptitude, or App Aptitude, and he figured out he wanted to do this at the age of 17. And when he told his dad and mom, <laughs> he said, "My dad yelled at me a lot. My mom cried a lot. My fr- all of his friends told him he was being stupid." And um, this kid went out and did it, and in his first year, he earned. $300,000. Now he's nice. got a virtual company in San Francisco with no, you know, so no headquarters. He has uh, clients in over 10 countries, London, Australia, Ukraine, Mexico, China. Um, and he's got uh, 35 developers that are double or triple his age. And he says his youth has been an enormous positive because of the industries he's in. His clients look at him and go, wow, you're young. That's great. You know, fresh ideas, that type of thing. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm conflicted on this. On one hand, I can, if I was a parent, I think I'd go ballistic, right, mm-hmm. at, at the idea of this. But on the other hand, as a society, you want this type of dynamism. You want this type of entrepreneurial risk-taking because most entrepreneurs, I mean, it's a who-who. It's a who's-who of college dropouts or high school dropouts even. Oh, Yeah. No, and and you and I are aware too from the work of Charles Murray that most of most innovation takes place before the age of thirty. So, yep. you know why? And, and and look, I think I think in a sense we can be encouraging more of this to happen because we we have we we have we do have such incredible wealth. I mean, it, it, if 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 my son when he's seventeen decides that he's gonna found a company and start to do something for, for someone else, create wealth for, for other people, you know, he's not going to starve. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> he's not, I, I mean, I'm serious about him paying some kind of rent and I do want 25% of the company, but 
it, you know, it, he's not going to starve. So, so why not allow some of this innovation to occur? And worst case happens, it goes belly up three years later. He can put that on his resume and probably still get in into a, a, a college. So, you, you know, I think it's, I'd be good with it. Yeah, I. You know how they say, or we've said on the show before that um, you know we we need to study wealth um, and and what creates wealth because studying poverty is essentially useless. Because what would you do with if you knew the four or five root causes of poverty? Go go use that knowledge to spread more poverty. But right. one of the ways it has been studied, and economists pretty much concur on this, that if you want to avoid poverty, you have to finish high school, get a job, keep a job, get married. Then have kids in that order, by the way, <laughs> mm. um, and that that will give you the best probability of of staying out of poverty. And this is just beyond, um, you know, argument. Uh, the right. evidence for this is overwhelming, and this kid seems to be, you know, <laughs> doing things in reverse order. But from a society standpoint, because he's taking a risk, he's kind of an outlier. And even if this were business were to fail. You know, he'd probably be able to recoup and go on to do something else. So it's oh, just, exactly. it, it, I mean, it's it's just you can can you see the conflict though with this? I mean, on the one hand, you you want people to finish high school at least and not mm-hmm. drop out, you know, midway through their senior year like this kid did. Um, right. But on the other hand, we want these youngsters to take entrepreneurial risks. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, I yeah, just thought that I mean, was interesting. You know, yeah, I, I, it, look, if it, and it all it, it depends. Like ha- halfway through senior year, I'd be like, "Hey, listen, let, let you, we, we, you can wait six months. Let's let's. I'll even help you get this company started, but let's get you through high school." It's like I wouldn't be so insistent, I guess, on going to college. I guess that's really where I would 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 be we be be okay with this. You know, I'm not going to be like, "Hey, listen, you've got to go to college." Right, I, Ed. I think college for a lot of kids has become a millstone. Because it's so expensive, because they're graduating with so much debt, can't find jobs, it, it's become a burden. It hasn't become the, the automatic leg up that it was thought to be in post-World War II. Oh, right. And, and certainly what we need is, is more technical-type schools that, that, don't, that don't necessarily offer a full gra- you know, graduate degree. You know, we don't need that. Right, like they do in Germany, they have that yeah. two-track system where either you go to college or you go to a trade or some type of technical institute. Yeah, no, and I, I do, I I do believe, and and this is, I think, it wasn't Charles Murray's a later book on this that college is way overrated. Yes, it's, it's a it's it's a credential that that you know it's, it's shorthand it's a heuristic for okay well you 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 were able to to labor and and figure this out for five years so you must have some aptitude so therefore we'll we'll, we'll hire you it's a signaling device yeah one, yeah, one professor that's called all it, it is one professor called it it's a union card for yuppies yeah yeah well <laughs> you know and, and it's funny i i remember it's, I, we'll see if we can find it p- posted in the show notes but there was a skit when billy crystal was on Saturday Night Live. You remember Billy Crystal was on Saturday Night Live for like yes. I don't know a a year. Yes, okay. yes. I don't think he was on for more than that. And the big thing was the Fernando Darling. You right, right, marvelous, right. That was the big yeah, thing. Yeah. But he, they did this skit with him where he he was he was a recruiter for a college that didn't exist. Right, and the, 
and and the it was like this classroom is sitting around and like and all the parents left the room right and he he he's like okay here's the deal this is the way this works you pay us 10 grand a year we split it right down the middle with you <laughs> Right? It's like this whole scam. It says, see all of these pictures, all this building? A complete and total facade, except for this one building, right? And it was this whole big thing that and, – and you, you, you could do whatever you wanted, but on parent weekend, you had to be there, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and it was just like this whole this whole running gag through the thing that's like, and if you're not there on parent weekend, we will find you and we will kill you. If you great. tell anybody about the scam, we will find you and we will kill you. <laughs> but it was but you know, in a sense, that's almost what it is, right? I mean it's almost what 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 it is. It's like this it's a it's a bit of a scam. Yeah, yeah, and there's lots of reasons for the inflating tuition and all of that, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, here we are against another break, Ron. It's the uh, bottom of the hour, so we've got to. But we want to r- remind you that you can get a hold of us at asktsoe at verisage.com, and please do visit the website thesoulofenterprise.com. Paying uh, specific attention the next couple of weeks to all of the the live events that we have coming up. Ron and I are going to be speaking at a ton of events over the course of the next 90, 180 days, and they're all up there, I think, through the end of June. So we would love for you to come by and see us there. But right now, we want to you to hear a word from our sponsor, Azamba. making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We believe great companies can become even greater by challenging the status quo within their companies. The latest challenge to your status quo? The way people buy has changed. Buyers now control the majority of the front end of the sales process. Sellers must learn to facilitate a buying process, not conduct a sales process. Social buying signals are an opportunity for sales. Learn more. Go to quantacrm.com slash ABC to request a copy of the white paper, Always Be Closing, a guide to the new art of social selling. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network.
on Free Rider Friday here on the Soul of Enterprise. And, Ron, we're getting a little bit of interaction on this whole D. Gordon story out on Facebook. Oh, excellent. Of our, yeah, yeah. One, 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 one person said that, that they agree with me, but uh, Robert Miller, who we know, he said, the problem is that this isn't a solution. If other people gain a comp- performance advantage from taking the drugs, others will have to take the drugs to compete. See, I disagree with the, his assessment on this. Because, I, again, I think that there's a reputational thing on the line, and I think that people don't want to be known as taking the drugs. They, w- they want the benefit of it, but they don't want to be known. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, th- I think that the, that the knowledge of it – now, what he's saying is, is that it's sort of like helmets and hockey, is that once people – everyone it, – it, it'll be a tipping point or reach a tipping point, and then everyone will use it. Sure. And I guess that's possible, but you know what? If that's the case, then who cares? And uh, you know, I, I, because then it's still, a, in other words, it's a level playing field because you can take what you want. I, I, I don't necessarily see the problem with performance enhancing drugs. I mean, I take one every day for what I do. It's called caffeine. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, I know. It, it, you- it, 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 this is known. It's proven to know, to sharpen your mind. Right to to get things now you can overdose on it and that that's when you become you start to you know lose con, lose control and you can't think straight but a little bit of caffeine is that it has some you know heart benefits so they say and I'm not sure I buy into all of this junk science either but you know uh, yes I take a performance enhancing drug every day I do <laughs> yeah and and like you say you know we would if we if it could make us think better or concentrate more. You know, of course we uh, would. If you could, if you could give me a pill that would would allow me to have like instant recall of everything that I read, I'd take it. Now, what is interesting about Robert's contrary view to yours is <clears throat> how long do you think it would take to play out if it really is going to be the competition? And boy, if if they do it, I have to do it. But how long would that take? Would it happen within one season? Would it be multiple seasons? I mean, I think it would slow down the process. I do, I, because I think it's more rampant than it's given credit for. And w- right now, the incentive is, again, to do it, but just to figure out how to make sure that it's blocked and take you know something else or uh, so, figure out some way so that you don't get caught. Right. And it's, 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 very, it's unfortunate, but you know, I've done some reading on this, but the, the tests are always well behind the, the n- new forms of the drug, of the drugs mm-hmm. that are coming out. Right, mm-hmm. so they're always they're always behind the eight ball on that. I mean, uh, you know, and some some people say in cycling, which you know had a big scandal with Lance Armstrong and all that a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Yep. That 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 there there are more people taking drugs now than there were when that thing broke in cycling. Mm-hmm. But they're just so far ahead of the curve in terms of ability to not get caught and not get tripped up by certain substances that. It's 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 absolutely commonplace. I mean, I don't know that to be true. I'm, that is that is that's completely anecdotal and, and stuff that I'm reading. So somebody tell me I'm wrong. I'm fine there. But I, again, I still think reputation is more important than than regulation. And this is another example of where it would work. Just curious, Ed. Does Robert give any uh, alternative ideas in his post uh, on Facebook? No. no. Okay. No, no. Okay. No. Nope. 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 Hopefully he will. I know he's a sharp yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, he is a sharp guy. So, so what do you got? What else? All you right, got? I got I got a big one, Ed. This is probably going to take the rest of the segment, may even bleed into the other one. But because of the election, what's going on with Trump? There was a recent article 
um, National Bureau of Economic Research. We'll link to it uh, by uh, some labor economists, David Autor, David Dorn, and Gordon Hansen. Now, Russ Roberts on our one of our favorite podcasts, Econ Talk, actually interviewed one of the authors, David Autor. So we'll be sure to link to that too, so folks can listen to that. But what they said was that the recent surge in Chinese imports to the United States has inflicted pronounced harms on the wages and labor force participation of U.S. workers in local markets, manufacturing markets like mill towns, things like that. Now, just just to be clear, these guys did not say free trade was bad. They said it does have pronounced effects on mm-hmm. labor market dynamism. It doesn't seem like workers are adjusting quickly enough. Mm-hmm. So, as a backup to this NBR, NBER article, uh, I ran across another article in National Review from April 11, 2016 issue called The Truth About Trade by a guy by the name of Scott uh, Lincecombe, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, who happens to be an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute and a visiting professor at Duke University. And he says that this paper, even though it's being touted by people who are all for protectionism, charging tariffs to China and other right other countries, it, it doesn't conclude that at all. And he gives some further evidence of what's really going on here. He says there's no evidence that there that imports are the primary driver of manufacturing losses. He says manufacturing has been slowly and steadily shed, shedding jobs since the late 1940s, mm-hmm. long before NAFTA and China. And, and that's true. You can look at a graph of, you know, the percentage of workers in the manufacturing sector, and and it is going down starting, you know, post World War II. Um, and he says, in in fact, the USA is the second largest manufacturing country in the world which produces 17.2% of global output. We're the Mm -hmm. third largest exporter, by the way. We're also the world's top destination for foreign direct investment, attracting $384 billion in 2015, more than double the second-place country of Hong Kong and nearly triple that of China. Uh, He argues that job losses have mostly been the result of productivity gains, not free trade, and that uh, free trade benefits the average uh, American twenty eight hundred to five thousand dollars in additional income because of the lower prices of things that we import. Right, that's mm-hmm. just like having a higher standard of living. Right, and that right. Equates, by the way, to about seventy one hundred to almost thirteen thousand dollars per household per year. Ninety percent of that benefit is going to the poor and middle class who are buying their staples at you know Walmart, Target, things like that. Um, He's claim, he says that uh, tariffs are a hidden tax, they're very opaque, and uh, for instance, he cites the example when Obama launched a 35% tariff on Chinese tires. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yep. It certainly saved some jobs, probably in Ohio and other places, but it cost 900 grand per job saved. So it's mm-hmm. the epitome of uh, crony capitalism. So, and yep. there's all sorts of other, you know, I mean, our labor force participation rates, the lowest since the late 70s at 62.5%. Uh, and this is one of the problems, right? The labor market isn't adjusting enough, uh, what economists call fluidity. And the question is why? He says, well, 
people today are less likely to move. They, they yep. tend to, to stay put, right? Uh, yeah, 60% of Americans have less than a grand in the savings account. And this is partly due to tax policy. We don't have a super savings account where you can accumulate tax-free like, say, Canada does. And other countries, Singapore has a super saving account or something where you can actually use it for all sorts of things, including buying a home. Uh, healthcare education, right, have been jumping because of inflation. Uh, the tax code only allows expensing for retraining in your existing job, not to get a new job <laughs> or learn a new skill. Uh, he also puts part of the blame on employment protection laws that, that erode at-will employment, occupational laws, of course, which we've been blasting, uh, minimum wage laws, and, of course, employer-provided health care. We've known for decades locks people into their current job. Uh, extended unemployment pays people not to work or find work. And, of course, uh, the doubling of the people on disability, which seems to be permanent, Ed. You go on disability, you ain't going back into the labor force. That right. seems to be what's happening. And that's doubled, by the way, between 1990 and 2014 from 2.3% to 5.1%. That's a big jump. In, yep. in a country that's getting healthier and, and it's doing more and more knowledge work <laughs> and mm -hmm. less and less backbreaking work, we have more people going on disability. Right. Well, carpal tunnel, you know, Ron. Yeah, I know. That's, and and, and uh, <laughs> one other thing he points out is the Trade Adjustment Act is in the uh, Trade Adjustment Assistance is a notorious failure. Um, yep. Even the government's own, you know, auditors uh, say this just. Is, is ridiculous. It's not helping anybody. And, and it also breeds the conception, this is a really good point, breeds the misconception that trade is somehow different from other forms of disruption, right? Such as Uber, or Airbnb, or, or automation. Yep. So, it, really interesting. I mean, I, 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 you know, you couldn't fit, you couldn't fill a phone booth of economists who agree that protectionism is a good idea. And yet, you know, the leading Republican candidate at the moment is a big believer in slapping on tariffs, or at least the threat of tariffs, which could start a trade war. And I, and I just, I, that is so insane to me how anybody mm -hmm. can think that, because it just, it's contrary to all the evidence that we have. Yeah, but he's 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 a populist, and and that's that's where he he's getting his support from. Uh, you know, I'll add, add a little commentary to this, Ron, and we, we're almost up against a break here. But it, you, you mentioned that people aren't moving. You know, there's another factor in that too, and that is these green belts that that have been put up in cities like San Francisco and 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 Portland, and even to a certain extent, New York City and Washington. Absolutely. Is, 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 you know, you, 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 you can't build housing, even though there is space, there's actually space for this, because you, you've got to get all of this through all of these regulations and EPA violations and blah, 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 which basically just mean, no, we can't build any more houses that as a result, because of the limited supply, the, the amount of the amount of, of uh, the, the, the costs go way up. Right. Which get this leads to further income inequality yeah it right? does 
Absolutely. You know, because because people from from the Rust Belt or or wherever these jobs that are that we are losing, you know, in because we are losing some jobs, right? It's not just about the the automation. There there is some that is that it, that is being lost to to uh, China. I get that, but these, as you mentioned, people aren't they're not getting retrained on something new, and they can't pick up and move because you can't afford the housing unless you're two hundred and fifty miles away and got and commute in. So it's crazy. No, you're absolutely right. That's a huge issue. And, you know, the other thing, we talk about the trade deficit being meaningless, but these these trade deficit statistics arbitrarily exclude services like legal accounting, advertising, you know, travel, telecom, insurance, which is 32% of what we export. We run a $28 billion surplus with China in services and a $233 billion surplus with the rest of the world. But you don't hear that when they talk about the trade deficit because that only measures so-called goods, right? We're Not getting services. killed on trade, Ron. We're getting killed, I tell you. Killed. That was my, my <laughs> very bad Donald Trump imitation. Hey, and, hey, well, listen, quickly, before we take this break, what about Bernie laying off half of his staff? You see that? Uh, I did not see that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 my my response is well, you know, if he wasn't for fifteen dollar minimum wage, he could have kept some of them. But you know, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I still tell you, I'm still voting for Bernie because I I want Larry David to continue to play him on SNL. Well, yeah, there's a reason right there, and there's probably a better reason than just about anything else I could think of. <laughs> Greg Kite told me it was a very valid reason to vote for a president. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree. I agree with Mr. Kite. Well, folks, this is great, but we do have to run to a break, and we'd like to remind you to check us out on Facebook, where uh, you can interact with the show and us there as well, facebook.com slash AskTSOE, and we know many of you listen on demand. We'd love it if you went out to iTunes and gave uh, gave the show a rating and and keep the comments coming, keep your emails coming. You can do so at AskTSOE at Verisage.com, and now we want to hear from Ed's employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. All over the country, I've seen it the same. 
All right. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Free Rider Friday. And Ed, just to finish off this article, The Truth About Trade, just a couple more things. Um, even the National Bureau of Economic Research paper, um, one of the authors, the Gordon Hansen, says that the problem is not trade liberalization. The problem is that the labor market adjustment is too slow. And even the paper itself uh, explains that only about 20 to 25 percent of the job loss between 1990 and 2007 is directly relatable to the surge of imports from China. So it, even these economists who everybody's pointing to and saying, see, this is why we need protectionism, even they're not saying that that's the answer. And what I liked about uh, Scott, uh, Scott's article here, The Truth About Trade, is he explained some of the governmental policies that's stopping the labor market from adjusting quicker than it is. So I really thought it was an interesting thing, and I'll, we'll be sure to post all this up on the show notes where, where folks can, can learn more about this. Yep. Yeah, it's it it is a, 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 what I do love about the original article that you talked about, Ron, is that it, it, the way that it's being spun in the media is very different from what he actually says in the article. It is, and and he, and that that even comes out on uh, Russ Roberts' uh, podcast yes. interview with him. Yep, yep, it sure does. So he's he's not he's he's not saying that that trade in aggregate doesn't benefit the majority of people. He's just saying that those that it does affect, it's longer lasting than it was anticipated. That's all. Yeah. And, and you know, the Cato Scholar does too talk about that, you know, the ethical and morality of this. I mean, wh whose biz business is it of the government to tell us that we can't buy a product or a service from another part of the world? I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what business is, of it, is it of mine if my neighbor wants to drive a Lexus? Right. Yep. So. Nope. I totally agree. So we're on the election a little bit, coming down to the the wire on this run, and you know we're we're a big proponents of the idea of of prediction markets, and the one that I follow out there is called Predictit. It's Predictit.org, and I think we've mentioned it on Free Rider Fridays before, but we have right now they 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 have they have uh, Donald Trump at. It, it, the way that it works, for those of you who are not familiar, is that you can buy a share in some event happening. So, say, Donald Trump getting the Republican nomination. And the question that they ask is not, who are you voting for? But if you, if you, could, if you could have a dollar uh, in wh whenever Donald Trump becomes the nominee, what would you pay right now for a piece of paper that says, hey, you get a dollar? And right now, that is trading at eighty-two cents a share. So yep. the the what what this this prediction market is saying is that Donald Trump has an eighty-two percent chance of being the Republican nominee. And uh, what what I think is most interesting is they they also have uh, have analysis on the upcoming primaries. And the right now, Donald Trump on the Indiana primary is down six cents to seventy-three percent on the dollar. And Ted Cruz is up thirty-one to thirty-one cents, so it's it's getting a little bit closer. But I kind of think that that's the last stand. I, I don't I, I don't think that the the, the California uh, card is 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 Cruz's opportunity at all. Nope, I agree. I agree. Cruz's only opportunity is a contested convention with a second ballot, third ballot vote, and that's why he's trying to woo all these delegates. That's his only hope. 
Right. And and uh, you know they they say if if Trump gets to the twelve thirty seven uh, delegates needed uh, before the convention, uh, he's in. Oh yeah, I mean you know, I don't I don't see how you would you would get that any other way and, and let because and, it's by rules unless they can change the finagle and change the rules and they, at the convention. And they can Ed and they can yeah. they can yeah, they can and <laughs> you know that's what's you know what's just fascinating about this whole election season is all the conventional wisdom and the formulas and all the talking heads you know all their stuff is out the window this is we're mm-hmm. in completely disruptive creative destruction times Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what Trump is doing. What does predict it, by the way, which is out of New Zealand, I think the University of Auckland, um, w- what do they say about the the election itself? Do they still show Hillary winning against Trump? Yeah, yes, they do. Uh, let me just do it uh, while this is up on the screen. But and by the way, in California, they have Trump at trading at 92 cents for California. Oh, so interesting. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. So but going back to your question in the national Right now, they, they, they are saying who will win the 2016 U.S. presidential election. And the two things, the two, two people that they list right now are the front runners, Clinton and Trump. And and uh, right now, it's basically two to one. Well, almost two to one. Clinton is trading at 64 cents and Trump is trading at 35. So they're, they're basically still showing a bloodbath. Right, right, and they have been for for quite a while on that. Yes. Ed, oh, yeah. Ed, have you have has have you followed how accurate has predicted been so far with some of these primary things? Or I haven't been keeping that close of a watch on it. Right. The pro with the, for the for the primaries, they've been extraordinarily accurate. Right. Okay. You know, go, going into going into the day of, I don't think they've missed one. Mm, okay. Right yep. now, you could say going into the day, I would probably had not been too many polls that missed it. I think the the real the real thing is is how accurate are they long term out? Right. So if 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 they're if they're accurate thirty days out or sixty days out, that that to me is the more important thing, and that I have not seen an analysis on. Right, right, and I wonder where do do you happen to know where the Iowa electronic market sits? I don't. Where, I don't. We could we could take a take a look at it, but I, I don't. Um, but they, it's interesting because one of the things that predicted I think does is they ask the same question multiple ways, mm-hmm. right? So for example, the the who will be the Republican nominee is one, but then they also say how many total delegates will Trump win, and one is twelve thirty seven plus, and that's trading at eighty cents, which is pretty close to that eighty. Two cents, right? And then the other thing they ask is, w- uh, what, what's the probability that the GOP convention will be brokered? And that's also trading at exactly at eighty cents. Mm. So it's three three ways of asking the same same question. Sure, and and putting right. your money where your mouth is. Right. It's right. not just answering a poll. Well, you know, if that prediction that Clinton sixty four and Trump at thirty five, if that's true, then that's a bit of conventional wisdom starting to uh, creep back into the season because uh, the historian Rick, Rick Brook, Brookheiser said, the presidency is not an entry-level political job unless you've won a world war. <laughs> like <laughs> Ulysses S. Grant or, you know, Ike, yeah, right, yeah. Eisenhower. Um, and you know, if Trump wins, then, I mean, we are talking about entry-level. Uh, but if Clinton wins, then the, this conventional wisdom stands. Yeah. 
It would be interesting to see. I mean, I, I you know, I, 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 especially this market because this doesn't have, like you say, the track record that say, oh, what was the uh, the, the other one? In trade, remember in trade, in trade, which yes. got the last two presidential elections nailed it. Not just who would win, but but who would win each of the 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 electoral votes as well. So, and I think Iowa has a a, a pretty good track record too. I think they nailed the last two or three as well. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I way more accurate. Yeah. Way yeah, more accurate way, than the polls. Yeah, well, not not a big fan. Not a big fan of the polls, but I do like pr- prediction markets, and I I, th- I think we'll see more and more of these as time goes on, especially in politics, but also in just in a business context too. I think they're 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 really a, a, a an opportunity and a tool that is still ahead of its time. You know, Ed, when we first started talking about this, it was four or five years ago, probably. I would have thought there'd be more prevalent than they are, and you, you know. Anyway, I can't believe more and more people don't know about them, and more I, I companies they, don't use them. I think that there, are, believe it or not, Ron. I think that there are more companies that are using them internally that we don't know about okay, because yeah. because that because they are real. They are pretty accurate, and some of the stuff that they show is not necessarily flattering to the company. Right. Well, Ed, this has been great, and as normal, it just flew by. What's on store for next week? Next week, we have we met this guy at the ITA conference a couple of weeks ago, and his name is Colonel Rick Searfoss, and he commanded the space shuttle three times, and we're going to be interviewing him. How cool is that? We're going to have a, an astronaut on the soul of Enterprise. All right. We can blast off, take the show to outer space, far out. I'll see you in 167 <laughs> hours, Ed. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, folks, feel free to visit us at uh, www.thesoulofenterprise.com. We will post full show notes from today's show. And join us next week for Colonel Rick Searfrost. Uh, former astronaut space shuttle commander. We look forward to talking to him about his book, Liftoff, and stories from space. And remember, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend.